I'd love for you to take your copy of God's Word. Join me in Matthew 28. Tried to be intentional as we have started the new year about articulating some foundational truths, helping us to lock in now for that which is to come. And this morning, I want to do something that I think is unique with Scripture. I have the capacity to communicate to you your life's purpose. I can tell you what you should be all about. I can help you realign your passion or obsession, as it were, based on a mandate that arrives to us from within Scripture. As a believer, I can articulate your mandate or commission. Commission is an interesting word. Commission has two definitions. One is it is an instruction, a command. A role given to a person or to a group. A commission. Second definition is this. It is the authority to perform a task or certain duties. You have been commissioned and are authorized to carry it out. Maybe we could understand that with the term deputized. With the awareness of commission in mind, let's arrive at a moment in time between Jesus and the disciples. Now, I wish it were possible for me to play video of this moment so that we could hear Jesus make this mandate, so that we could understand the individual words or syllables that Jesus emphasized, so that we could pick up on the tone and emotion of the moment. Obviously, we cannot do that, but what we can do is take each of these words and understand them at a depth that will help us as Jesus reveals to us what we as students of Scripture would call the Great Commission. In Matthew chapter 28, the Gospel of Matthew is winding down. Jesus is speaking, and he says this in verse 18, and Jesus came... And spake unto them. Maybe we understand when we see the word them there. Jesus came and spake unto you and to me, as we'll establish in a bit. Saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, now that's just two letters to us, but when Jesus says, and lo, he's snapping the attention of the disciples. He wants them to pay attention to what he's about to say, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world, amen. With our awareness of the strict definition of a commission and what we have just read from Jesus, we can be aware that we have received an instruction, we have received a command, we have been given a role and the authority to carry it out. The Great Commission. I want you to understand that fulfilling or carrying out the Great Commission, which is to take the gospel of Jesus Christ all around the world and make disciples has been the passion of the church since its inception. We might even, as we study the New Testament, marvel at the works and the inspired words of the Apostle Paul. 
Let me help you to understand that the Apostle Paul's passion and obsession mirrors that of the church since its inception. It is the fulfillment of the Great Commission. In fact, if we were to take the time to go to Romans chapter 15, beginning in verse 20, we would begin to hear the Apostle Paul talk about his future plans. On the surface, it only sounds like a travel itinerary is being communicated, but under the surface, we'll understand something at a little deeper level. It's actually life-changing because Paul is communicating his passion. Listen in. Romans 15 and verse 20. Yea, he says, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation, strive as he uses it there, is the idea I have loved this, I have honored this. This is the honorable love of my heart. This is my passion. This is my ambition. This is my obsession to take the name of Jesus into places, to realms, to nations, to people groups where they've never heard the name of Jesus before. You understand that that need still exists. I found this interesting. Over three billion people in over 7,000 people groups are currently unreached by the gospel. Which would enable us to say they're on a road that leads to eternal hell without ever even hearing from another individual how they can go to heaven. And when I say unreached, I do not merely mean unrepentant, having been confronted with the truth and rejected it. I mean literally unreached in that they have never heard the message of the gospel articulated. And Paul is saying, this is what drives me. This is what gets me out of bed in the morning. This is what enables me to endure all of the persecution. And certainly he was afflicted. Certainly he understood suffering. What motivates you, Paul? He would write to the church at Corinth and he would say this in 2 Corinthians 10, 16. To preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand. If you were to ask somebody what they're passionate about. If you were to ask somebody what it is in those quiet moments where they're locked away with their own thoughts and carrying on an inner monologue, what it is they obsess over, you would learn a great deal about that person. If you and I were to ask Paul, what is it that you obsess over? What is it that you are passionate about? He would say it's the declaration of the gospel of Christ. It's everything. That's what he's writing in Romans 15. It's an immense obsession. In fact, as he continues talking about his travel plans, he articulates in the 24th verse of Romans 15 that he desired to go to Spain. He was urgent about telling the untold millions still untold the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All of us have a finite amount of time. All of us have finite resources. All of us have finite energy. Not one of us has a chance to do life over again. None of us can rewind the tape and none of us can fast forward the tape. All that we can do is seize the here and now. And what the Apostle Paul would say to us is, find what God is doing 
and invest yourself there. I, says Paul, plan to be in the middle of God's cause with all of my energy all the time. Let me read what one wrote. In essence, Paul was dreaming big gospel dreams. Went on to write, this was a fundamental principle to the greatness of Paul as a missionary, for dreams always precede action. In essence, this is where his focus was. This is what he knew he had to be about. This was non-negotiable for him. This was his everything. And I can say to you in this moment that you and I have together here and now, a moment that we cannot rewind or a moment that we can fast forward with the finite resources, energy, and time that we have, we better understand this mandate is for us. And there's authority behind it. There is the power that communicated it. In this moment, Jesus is speaking to the 11 disciples. He articulates, as I've referenced, what we call the Great Commission. But I want you to notice what Jesus says. Before he delivers the mandate, he communicates a very important principle. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All the authority that I would ever have to have to communicate this mandate has been given to me by God. It's given for one reason, to exalt Jesus Christ over and above all. Let me reference another author. It says, he has the authority over politics and government. He has the authority over all armies and military might. He has the authority over all industry and business, over science and education, research and discovery, universities and colleges, entertainment and media. He has authority over all natural phenomena. He has authority over all weather. He has authority over all planets and moons and stars and light and energy and motion and time. And therefore, he has authority over our lives. He has authority over our health and our diseases and our successes and our failures and our finances. He has all the authority. And before he ever communicates what we might call an action step from us, he tells us why he has the right to ask it of us, to give it to us, all power. This mandate that Jesus will communicate is grounded in the truth that Jesus has authority over everything, over every life. Why would you and I ever go and make disciples? Because Jesus Christ is Lord. Because Jesus Christ has all authority over our lives. Why would you and I step out beside our comfort zone and communicate, articulate the gospel, even into the realms unknown, because Jesus Christ is Lord? Why would we tell people they have to be baptized? Why would we tell people they have to obey the mandates, the commands, the words of the Lord Jesus Christ and of Scripture? Because He is Lord. When you and I come to the place where we realize that Jesus Christ is Lord, we will no longer wrestle with whether or not we should be fulfilling his mandate, carrying out his commission. The fact is, when we try to wrest power away from him, when we try to set our own agenda and salvage our own energy for our purposes, when we do not see him as Lord, we fail in this regard. Now let's get really practical about the Great Commission. Because sometimes we think being around a gospel work, 
Being around a work where the message is being proclaimed counts as our fulfillment. And I don't want to discount that or cheapen that, but let's really get practical that you and I must obey the Great Commission. Think about the people around you in your life right now. People that you work with. Right now, think of their face. Say their name. Think about the individuals that you see. Every single face that you see will one day bow the knee before the Lord Jesus Christ. They will either do that in peace or they will do that and it's too late. And that's where you and I come in. We have to share the gospel. We have to share the gospel with our next door neighbor. We have to share the gospel with our coworker, not in the next season of life, not in the next job, not in the one that we've left, though maybe in all of those places. I mean in the here and now with the people that are around you, you must steward the message of the gospel. You might think to yourself, I don't have the personality to do that. Neither do I. Say, so, yeah, but you're the pastor. You have to do it. According to the Great Commission, so do you. Yeah, but we pay you to do it. Well, if I got to do it for everybody, then give me a raise. All of us must, all of us have to, but yes, even me, I've told you before, one of the hardest things for me to do is to tell somebody that I am a pastor. The only place it works for me is in that little lobby out there. That's the only time it really goes in my favor. But I say to somebody, I'm a pastor, and it gets awkward. I had, as the gym, and I was working out, and I had a guy come up to me, and he said, hey, can I ask what you do? I thought, ah, oh, no, I'd rather you not. Number one, I have to stop my podcast and take out my AirPod to hear what you have to say. I said, well, what do you think I do? He said, I don't know, but I feel like you're in the medical field. <laughs> now, I like to think that maybe he thought, maybe I'm a plastic surgeon. Everything is so perfect. He said, you're in the medical field. I said, I am not in the medical field. He's like, man, I really thought you were in the medical field. He said, what do you do? Did you really want to know? I said, you wouldn't guess in a thousand years. I said, I'm a pastor. <laughs> he literally, he took three steps back from me. He said, I never would have guessed that. Now I'm thinking to myself, am I that terrible of a testimony for Jesus that you're literally like, not you, no way. I've seen you roughing it around here all the time. No way, not you. As I began to talk to him, he said, do you come in here to work out so that you can stand up and intimidate people into believing Jesus? And I'm like, man, if you think I'm in the medical field and you think I'm big enough to intimidate people, I need you to just go with me everywhere and help my, my self-esteem. I began to talk to him and he said to me, I'm not a believer and I promise you, I'm not saying this for effect. I understood in that moment, he has just become mine in the sense that nobody else is as obligated to communicate the gospel as I am in this moment. And listen, it's easier to keep my AirPods in and mind my own business and not have to be the weird Baptist pastor everywhere I go. But when I finish this life, I will answer for him because he's told me that he doesn't believe in the message of the scripture and in Jesus. And I'm not saying it'll take one time. It may take a lifetime, but he's mine. He crosses my path. I see his face. I talk with him. And I'm telling you now, there's somebody that's yours. 
That's what the scripture is telling us. Say, it's not about personality. Let me help you get really practical. We need to reach lost people. And if we're going to reach lost people, we have to be around lost people. Maybe you can accept them. Accept them? You know that Jesus showed us that you can accept somebody without approving of their lifestyle? They may be doing something contrary to the word of God, but you can accept them as a person without approving of the sin that they have or are committing. Accept them. Say, Pastor, does that mean that somebody who doesn't think like me? Yes. What if they don't vote like me? Yes. What if they don't smell like me? Sure. What if they're Dallas Cowboy fans? It's too late. It's too late. Irredeemable. Literally, I, I have no backing scripturally, but the Holy Spirit, something just whispered that in my ear. I, I better be careful not ascribing that to the Holy Spirit. Accept them. Not just accept them, be available to them. The parable of the Good Samaritan shows us that a friend in need is a friend indeed. And sometimes we might just be able to offer up a word of prayer. Other times, we might actually need to go out of our way to assist them. We must do good deeds so that they will glorify our Father, which is in heaven. We must enjoy fellowship. Listen, people need to be together. I'm not talking about find a friend in here. I'm saying find someone out there that you can build a relationship with through intentional fellowship. Leave your comfort zone. Risk and friendship are a package deal. You can't have one without the other, but you and I must understand if Jesus is Lord of our lives, then we must carry out this mandate. He has the power and the authority to communicate it. And the mandate that he delivered is clear. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. This is addressed to the 11 apostles here, sure, the disciples that are gathered, but the clue that, it, that, that communicates to us that this is for us too and not just for the eleven is that Jesus says, and lo, I am with you even unto the end of the world. The task will last as long as God promises to help it last, and he promises to be with us to the end of the world. That is the beauty, that is the special nature of the church. Word church in the Greek is an interesting study. It's the word ekklesia. It means called out ones. And that word is used intentionally throughout the New Testament. A church is called out from the world. A church is a separated group of people who have been redeemed by the grace of God. And in Acts chapter 2, we grasp they were saved, baptized, and added to the church. We're called out from this world. We are distinct. We are different. We are set apart. But not only is that meaning a group called out, it is also commissioned to go back into the world. The called out ones now band together and pull their resources and go back to reach as many people as they possibly can. This commission is to the church. This commission is to you and to me, informal missionaries that pull our resources and gather together to fulfill it. Just before Jesus ascends in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, 
He's speaking again and he says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, that's the city in which you live, the community, maybe it's your neighborhood, and in all Judea, that's reaching out further into your county or into your country and in Samaria, a different culture getting the gospel there, and the uttermost part of the earth, that's every culture. That is the plan of God. That is, as he communicates to people like me and you, if I am Lord of your life, here is your purpose. Get the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. George Gallup, obviously a pollster most are aware, a few years ago said, never before has the church made so many inroads into society and yet at the same time made so little difference? That's a painful realization. I believe largely it is because believers have turned the church into something that Jesus never intended the church to be. We have spent much of our time trying to shape and mold the church into something that satiates our needs, into something that meets our emotional condition, into something that we desire, into something we think it should be. We have perverted what Jesus meant to be a tool, a resource, a group that went out and effectively communicated the gospel. We must return to this foundational principle. We must grasp at the root of all that we do is the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Informal missionaries getting the work done. The great problem of the church is we've forgotten who we are. We have forgotten that we're commissioned witnesses. You say, well, I don't know whether or not we're good at it. If you want to know whether or not you're accomplishing the plan, look at the product. What's the product? Other disciples other believers, other witnesses. Look at the wake of your life. Look back just a little. Are there other believers? Are there other witnesses? Are there disciples that you see coming along with you where to make disciples? Are you wrapped up in this? Again, another said the church in America has for the most part forgotten the plan where to start in Jerusalem. That's home. Home is the toughest place to reach. The people know you. They grew up with you. They work with you. We're to start here, but do not stop there. I think sometimes Christians lack passion. And we don't lack passion only because the world has swamped us under with their ideology or we feel outnumbered or we feel outmuscled. I think it is because we have forgotten the mandate that we have received and in the reception of this mandate, he says, I have all power, I am Lord, and you shall receive power in that the Holy Ghost will indwell you and it happened. I think it's wonderful to understand what is being communicated here, that the hall of fame, as far as God is concerned, is not filled with superstars. It's normal people like me and you. And maybe nobody knows their name, but the work of God goes on behind the scenes and over time. And those who are counted as nobody's here on earth will be blessed in the kingdom of heaven. And then we unearth Perhaps the most heartwarming, strengthening, grace-communicating principle of all of this, as Jesus says, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. This is why I wish we could roll video of this moment.
Jesus has conquered death. In fact, even as Jesus is speaking to the 11, Matthew 28 will tell us, there are some that are still wrestling with doubt. They're still wondering. And Jesus is about to turn over Gospel Incorporated to this group of 11 faulty individuals who are scratching their head and wondering how in the world are we going to do this? And mind you, Peter, who's there, has denied Christ just a little prior. Thomas struggles with doubt. Others are not standouts. They're fishermen. And Jesus says, here is what you must do. They're beginning to be aware of the fact that he's going to leave. And Jesus says, hey, I'll always be with you. Feeling a little overwhelmed by the assignment, Jesus says, and lo, that word is intentional. That is a word that would get our attention. You can almost imagine somebody snapping their fingers or clapping their hands. Look here, I will always be with you, even unto the end of the world. Amen, Jesus says. That is an emphatic assurance. Not I will be with you, but I am with you every step. Every day, every hour, every witness, every Sunday, every building phase, I will be with you. There isn't a believer on the face of this earth who goes to witness, who goes to share the gospel and the truth about Jesus Christ where he is not with them. That's what Jesus told the disciples I'm going to go to my father, and actually that's better for you that I go to my father because I will not leave you fatherless. I will not leave you comfortless. But when I go to my father, the Holy Spirit will come, and I will be with you and teach you and guide you and enable you and empower you. You and I have all the resources we need to tell others about Jesus Christ because God has seen fit to give us everything. There's not a moment Christ is not with the believer to help him. Even to the point of abuse or persecution or martyrdom and no doubt opposition will be encountered and we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, powers. Listen, sometimes we will encounter a demonic opposition. Sometimes it will be human entities and rules but Jesus will always be with us and this mandate is for you and for me. Who has the authority to give my life purpose he does. He has all power. It's been given to him by God. What is it that he wants from me to take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to make disciples? And oh, by the way, he's empathetic. He's passionate and compassionate. He's with us. In teaching a parable in Luke chapter 19, Jesus said this in verse 13. He called his ten servants within this parable and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. Here the word occupy doesn't mean take up space. But it means be busy about the cause until I come back. That's what Jesus wants from you and from me. So much of this life will not matter when we see Jesus. So many things that concern us have no business being our concern. It does us well to return to a foundational principle of Scripture. And I'd venture to say there isn't anybody that's gathered here that hasn't heard a message on the Great Commission. 
But think of how many times a hammer must come down on an implement, on the anvil, to shape it into usefulness. And maybe this is one more blow of the hammer down. But we must remember, this is to be our life's purpose and cause. Occupy, Jesus says, until I come. Be busy about the cause till I get there. Don't do anything. I I mean, don't just do nothing. Do something. Give something. Pray something. Be busy. Don't spectate. Don't be apathetic or passionless or silent. It's your mandate. Would you please with me just bow your heads for a moment? Thanks for listening this week to the Graceway Baptist Church podcast. For more information about our church and our ministries, head on over to our website at gracewaycharlotte.org. We are a church located in South Charlotte. We are growing and our ministries are doing big things for Christ. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at info at gracewaycharlotte.org. Also, stay in the loop with everything happening by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is Graceway Charlotte. Thanks again for listening to the Graceway Charlotte podcast. We'll see you next week.